no sales or more sales, learning should never stop. That's why you and I are here, bringing you Limitless, a maverick podcast channel with perfectly blended sales and marketing tips. Tips from people who have been there and done that. Put on your headsets, earphones or airpods because we are going for a heck of a sales hack ride. Hey all, welcome to another episode of our Limitless podcast series. I am Nisha, a product marketer at Hippo Video and your podcast host. We have with us today, Brian McDonald. Hi, Brian. Welcome to hey, the hey. podcast. Hey, hey, thanks for having me on. This is uh, fun. I'm excited to, to be here with you and, uh, and talk today. Oh, it's great to have you here and we are even more excited to have you on. So Brian is a partner at On Purpose Growth and coaches entrepreneurs, founders and consultants on how to grow their revenue. He has over 20 years of experience in helping people turn their ideas into revenue-generating businesses with game-changing sales strategies and growth consulting. Today, Brian will draw on his wealth of experience as a sales coach to share some effective strategies on countering a sales slump. All right, Brian, so if you're okay, let's get started with the questions. Cool. Awesome. So, okay, here's my first question to you. There's a lot of advice around what a sales rep should do during or even shouldn't do during and after a cold call but not much around what should be done before a cold call. So what, according to you, are some things that a sales rep must do before they pick up the receiver and start talking to their prospect? Oh, well, I think it's less about what you're going to say and more about your mindset. Uh, okay. my, uh, uh, my partners and I always have, a, we have a saying that said, mindset always trumps technique. And, uh, you know, before you make cold calls, uh, I mean, it's a practice I do. I, I, I check in with myself and, uh, you know, get myself in the right mindset and, and the right mood and the right expectations. Uh, because anytime I've done um, those three things, set, set the right expectations that, hey, this is cold calling and, mm-hmm. you know, a very small return uh, on your time is, is, is realistic, thinking you're going to get uh, you know, convert most people is just not the, not the greatest thinking, uh, making sure I'm in a, uh, I would say a positive mood because I'm gonna get, I'm about to get, uh, bombarded with a bunch of no's and, and hangups and, and things like that. And then, and then the mindset of, uh, you know, a combination of the two of the prior two I talked about, as well as, uh, the mindset of, um, you know, I'm, I'm looking I'm looking for no's because yeah. no's are my path to yeses. Uh, if if I if I go looking for yeses right away, I'm going to be immediately disappointed. Um, you know, so those are things I would do like right before, uh, and and I say that with the assumption that uh, if if that's all you're going to do before the cold call, you've already. Um, prepared what you're going to say, how you're going to say it, you know, who you're going to call and things like that. So uh, I just make that disclaimer. Awesome. So could you throw some light on that part as well? Like, you know, researching your prospect before calling them up and um, yeah. Yeah. So uh, a a couple things there in today's world, right. Approaching a, uh, uh, approaching a cold call like everybody else is going to get you some pretty, uh, low results, right? Because uh, prospects, uh, if you sound like a normal cold call, 
prospects have a system uh, that they, they use to reject that call, right? So like, for instance, instead of saying, instead of saying something like, uh, hey, did I catch you at a good time? Where people have an automatic response to that, you have to say things that are like pattern interrupts that break that. Mm-hmm. Where I can say, "Hey, did I catch you at a bad time?" Right? You want to you want to kind of go towards the negative things, okay. and so you want to do that. You want to you want to show up differently, so you you catch people off guard, and the 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 basic you know responses they have to make you go away aren't there. And I like what you said there is research your your prospects. Uh, sometimes you'll know. You'll, or you'll realize that, uh, hey, this person I thought was a prospect, but they're not because I did some some research on them, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so definitely, you know, look at LinkedIn profiles, look at um, websites and, you know, get to know the, the person. And, you know, if you can customize that cold call into somebody's personality or something about them that you can, you know, talk about or notice. Um, Because uh, if you can, if you, how do I say this? People love to talk and think about themselves. So when um, you become interested in someone else, you become interesting to them. And, uh, and if you can pick out something to talk, so like, for instance, I, in today's world, I relate, uh, a LinkedIn cold reach out to a cold call in the past, right? We have a new avenue of reaching out to people. And when I reach out to them, I'll, I'll research their profile and I'll ask them something about that I see on their profile, or I'll go to their website and ask them about something I saw on the website, something that. Um, I could be genuinely curious about to spark the conversation to get some, uh, the word I'm thinking of is collaboration, but uh, get some responses back. Uh, and, and then the other thing is too, is, you know, everybody tries to sell the service with the cold call. Mm. You don't try to sell, don't just sell the next step. You want to, you want to get first, you want to get permission to um, tell them why you're calling. So the first thing you do is buy the next 10 seconds, then tell them why you're calling to buy the next 30 seconds. And in the next 30 seconds, if they, if they say yes, they want to continue after that, then it's like you start diving more into, you know, a deeper understanding of why you're calling. Right. So um, don't sell the end on a cold call. The thing that you sell, sell the next step that you have to go to. Awesome. Okay. So I think we can see a pattern here, right? Or kind of a framework for a cold call, like uh, the sort of thing that you follow. Could you elaborate more on that, the framework that you follow for a cold yep. call? I mean, here, here's what it is. The framework is I sell the first, the first part is just selling the next 10 seconds. So it's, okay. hey, hey, Nisha, it's Brian from uh, On Purpose Growth. Did I catch you at a bad time? And you go, no. Okay. So now I'm like, Hey Nisha, can I uh, can I explain to you why I'm calling, and mm-hmm. in the next you know 15, 20 seconds, and you can decide if we if talking past that makes sense. Yeah, go okay. ahead. Hey, okay. here's why I'm calling. Blah 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 blah. Um, would you like to learn more about that, or would you like to continue this discussion? They go, yeah, right. And then you dive deeper into you know into that, and after that third step there, um, you're you're pretty you've got an engaged person, 
And mm -hmm. for a cold call, that's what you're looking for. You're looking for an engaged person. Um, right. That's the that's the first step in the process. Awesome. Okay, so my next question to you was supposed to be, uh, do you have a cold call opener that you normally use? But I guess this is what it is, right? Like, did I catch yep. you at a bad time? I think that's your go-to yep. opener. Yeah. Okay. Well, and, and here's another one. And I mean, here's another one is I'll call out something obvious okay. as a pattern interrupt. So I'll say things like, Hey, Nisha, this is Brian McDonald from On Purpose Growth. And I realize my name doesn't ring a bell. Okay. Did I, right? Uh, can I tell you why I'm calling? Okay. So right? this because makes your prospects think, okay, <laughs> you know, you get that window for a few seconds that you can. And I'm calling out something they're already thinking. Yeah. Right? Yep. So we're already in agreement on something. <laughs> oh my God, that, that's a great tactic. Like it's it's evil almost. <laughs> okay. Yep, yep. <laughs> uh, because when you, uh, the general principle, when you name things, you typically diffuse them, right? So uh, in a, in, I talk to clients all the time. It's like, hey, if if you feel it, say it. Um, I'll give you a, a real-time example with a client yesterday. Um, he was talking about a situation where um, a client had questions around his moving business, having insurance. The lady never said, do you have insurance? But she asked questions around it, like what happens with, with this, if this gets broken or what's your replacement policy? And he said he lost the deal because he didn't have insurance. And I, and I asked him, I said, so did... Uh, did you sense based on her questions that she was really, that's what she was asking. Do you have insurance? He said, yeah. I said, so next time notice it and say, Hey, it sounds like you're asking questions around insurance. Is that your concern? And, mm -hmm. and when you name it, they'll go, Oh yeah, it is. Right. And it diffuses it. It, it diffuses the tension in the room or the, um, What's the word I'm looking for? The it's like a it, she was doing a bad way of negoti negotiating. It's like uh, dysfunctional negotiating. It kind of does away with that. Dysfunctional negotiating. Okay, that's that's a good term to know. I guess. I know. I just came up with that one. So full disclaimer. <laughs> I just that just came out of my mouth. <laughs> okay. So yeah, maybe we should make it a thing going forward. Yep. All right. Okay, so also you seem to use video a lot to connect with your audience. Like I've seen your LinkedIn posts being full of videos, a lot of video content on it. So why do you do that over, you know, normal text posts? What made you move to videos? Wow, wow. Um, a, a couple reasons. One, it sticks out. Mm -hmm. uh, as you know, I mean, I've been using yeah. <laughs> uh, Hippo video for, for a couple of years. And, and uh, the, the, the one thing about your platform is it's not just video. It, it allows me to stick out in, in a couple of different ways by uh, leaving thumbnails in messages and things like that. Um, but in posts, it, it sticks out, it breaks up the monotony. And it, if you study anything in regards to content creation, and algorithms on any platform, the the algorithm algorithms love when you mix up um, mechanisms of or forms of content. So uh, just going from a regular post to some video and back and forth is just a way to uh, one to way to stick out and get my my content out there. Another way is, you know, people, you know, as much as people buy services and products, mm. what they really buy is a person, 
they buy people, right? So for instance, I, uh, you know, I've been in a couple different industries, uh, and the, and, and done a, you know, more than 50% of my business has always been referral networking. And, and, um, I've been able to get referrals from people to, um, when I switched industries because they knew me and they trusted me, it wasn't necessarily about what I sold. What I sold had to be relative to them and their mark and their, their network, but it was me. Same thing with, uh, you know, with, with clients, when I left the insurance space, started on purpose growth with my partners, there were some people that were clients in the insurance space that had conversations with me about getting sales help. And so it was, it's all about connecting with your, your network and your people to know that you're real and for them to get to know you. And at the same time, it also lets the people who are not your prospects Hmm. know who you are so they can properly make the assessment that they don't want to have anything to do with you. And I'm okay with that because uh, I'm trying to, I'm always trying to spend more time with the right people and less time with the wrong people. Yeah. And video helps you qualify the people that you want to spend time with. Totally. And, 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 uh, communication is mostly tonality and body language and there is zero tonality and zero body language in uh, in text-based posting, right? Uh, that's why uh, there's a uh, there's some people that talk about like, hey, let's not text this conversation back and forth because you can't understand really what I'm saying because it's not the words, it's the it's the the inflections or the body language. So that that communicates that clearly. Yeah. And it's also a matter of building trust, I guess, like people trust you more Mm -hmm. and they see you. Yep. You can, you can, uh, I mean, there are, there are a few people out there in the world that, that can work around this, but my opinion is you can tell if somebody's trustworthy worthy or not by watching video. Yeah. Okay. Right. So since you're a hippo video user, I'm pretty sure you would have used video for sales and prospecting. So how has your experience been there? using video in the prospecting stage or anywhere in your sales process? Oh, it's, you know, it's awesome. Um, I'll talk specifically with Hippo Video is, okay. you know, on on LinkedIn in Sales Navigator, it's the only video system that shows a thumbnail in the message. And that's most important to me is, is the, uh, there's an option to, to get a link that shows a thumbnail okay. and, and that catches people's eyes right? Um, it also tracks when people are watching the video. And you can also uh, personalize the thumbnail. I'm sure you know that already, but yeah. Oh yeah. You can, uh, you can personalize the thumbnail. You, you can do a lot, right? You can, you can do a lot with it. So I've, I've used it. I've used it that way on, uh, on LinkedIn. I love it. And then two, uh, you know, with follow-ups with prospects instead of, I'll say it this way. Okay. So the Kool-Aid that that I ask my clients to drink is um, don't be better than the competition, be different. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if I'm, if I'm asking people to drink that Kool-Aid, I have to drink the Kool-Aid too. So I need to figure out ways to be different. I just can't, you know, be on my ivory post telling people what to do and, and doing the opposite. So, uh, so I'll do that in sales process. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll send, you know, somebody, maybe a thank you video after a, uh, um, an initial meeting. Um, sometimes I ask clients to or prospects to to do things in between 
um, the steps in my sales processes and maybe I'll make a video and explain them what to do or, or remind them. Um, I mean, there's, there's tons of ways you can use video in, uh, you know, in sales processes and um, that, that the rate we're going, mm. uh, video content is going to um, dominate any other form of communication right. uh, versus face-to-face. Yep. So um, also, how has your response been? Have the response rates improved uh, with video over text emails or LinkedIn? Oh, gosh. Um, I would say close to like 50% better. Wow. Uh, because, and, and now too, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about this because I don't have the exact, that's a gut instinct. Um, it, because when I'm using video, I'm actually using it with the hottest prospects. Like I, I'll prioritize video with, with people I really want to work with, right? Like, oh, this is a great person. This is a great fit. So I'll take the time, you know, I'm not using it video as follow-ups hundred percent of the time, but, um, that like solidifies the relationship. It makes them feel that I care and different, uh, and, and thus they're clicking on it and, uh, and they're, they're, they're helping the videos helping me get you know, let's just say around 50% better uh, response rates. That, that's a great number. So um, do you have any specific example that you could cite, like, you know, a deal that you could close just because you used videos, like somewhere in the process? Uh, one that I closed because of video. I'm trying to think. There was one where uh, a client of mine, she, uh, she is, I was going to say was, but she's a past client, but uh, she's still doing what she's doing, is uh, outsource COO and outsource okay. HR. And, uh, and, and during the sales process, uh, towards the end, you know, I, I sent her a video, mm-hmm. you know, thanking her and, and saying, Hey, I was thinking about our conversation. Here's some more advice. I was basically kind of, I'll say, giving her free coaching just cause I wanted to help her. And, uh, and she had said that that video, um, put her over the top and, uh, she was talking to somebody else at okay. the same time who was um, more than, how do I say this? Less than half the price of, of, of my services. And she decided to, um, to go with me because she said, hey, that video helped a lot. She goes, it, it made me trust you even more. And I'm going to go with you, even though that person's cheaper. That's amazing. That's an amazing story. Totally. I mean, a video helping you win a deal, even though your competitor was yeah, priced yep. half as much as you. So yeah, that's amazing. Awesome. Okay, so now on to the core of our topic, but yeah, the other stuff was more interesting than this one's yeah. going to be, I guess. <laughs> so there's a lot of talk of recession all around and organizations are more reluctant than ever before to buy stuff. So how can sales reps and sales leaders ride this slump and keep a steady stream of revenue flowing? How can they use uh, video to keep a steady stream of uh, sales going? Is that your question? Video or otherwise, like anything, you know, uh, at a high level. Oh, so what else can people go to? Um, I think it's back to that thing that I was saying is think about how you can be different and show up different. There was, um, we're exposed to something like, I think it's crazy, like over 500 marketing impressions a day based on email, internet, phone and text messages. So there's a lot of noise for your prospect's attention uh, in the world, whether it's something else or something similar to what you're doing. So you have to figure out, you know, how to be different 
Mm. And, and, and one of the ways we help and I help clients do this is, is come up with something called um, a mafia offer. And the mafia offer is make your, make an, make, uh, uh, create an offer that your it doesn't have to be, you know, crazy. I mean, I've got, I've got one client who two weeks ago had a hundred thousand dollar week, which they, they, he got a hundred thousand dollars in down payments yeah. and secured, uh, $10,000 in monthly recurring revenue because he had a, a mafia offer. Wow. Okay. And, and, you know, this isn't anything to take lightly and, and kind of throw around, meaning you have to think about this. You have to figure out, you know, what it was and, and you're taking a little risk in some of these offers, but um, the payoff is huge. And, and, and everybody around you, everybody around us is trying to do it faster, better, whatever, but very few people are trying to do it differently. Um, so, so another way to do it differently is think about how you like to, how your product or service is different to you, like how, how you are unique and think about ways how that can fit into your ideal client profile. So like, for instance, um, I got one client who is an outsource CFO and a fractional CFO. And instead of him going out and talking to all these companies, um, different types of companies, you know, of a certain demographic, he comes from the construction space. Mm-hmm. So all he does is outsourced CFO for construction uh, companies in the construction industry from uh, five to 30 million. And he's killing it um, because he's not trying to compete with my other client who's an outsourced CFO that does uh, all different types of businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, this guy is, is super unique and, and, you know, there's, there's more than enough business to go around, right? The, the construction industry is huge and yeah. he came from the industry. So he knew how underserved this part of the businesses for CEOs in, uh, in the construction space. He's like, they, they, um, they're just, not, there's not a lot of, I don't know I say good help. I don't know if that's what I'm looking for proper advice in that space. Mm-hmm. Right. So the advice here is to, you know, carve out a niche of niche for yourself instead of trying to be everything for everyone. I would highly suggest never being, never being everything for everyone. You will be, it's like the jack of all trades, master of nothing. Um, your pro, if you try to be the kiss of death is uh, um, when I hear somebody say, oh, just introduce me to anybody in this space right? The mind, here's the problem with it. The, when it comes to referrals or when it comes to a, uh, a, a, pr- a prospect sitting in front of a prospect and trying to be relevant to them, when you, when you go wide, people mm-hmm. don't know how to fit you into their world. Yeah. Even though the mind wants to go that way, it's too general. The way more specific you are uh, and clear, specific and clear you are, about that niche, the uh, the better you'll do. It it may take a little bit longer to pick up speed, but once mm-hmm. you get that speed, you, you nobody's going to be able to knock you out. That's great advice, and you also don't waste resources, right? Like chasing after uh, unqualified leads. So this way, you can save up on resources and also 
the ROI is probably higher. And 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 on top of this too, in, embedded in this is also knowing, I would say, how to say no to somebody who's not a prospect, right? Like not trying to, if if we are really going to hop into a recession, I, I got my thoughts uh, around that. But if, if we really are, you need to figure out how to use your time wisely if you're in sales, because you need to be able to focus and and grab a slice of the market. And if you really know who you work with and who you serve, you know who it isn't. Uh, and and it's actually empowering and freeing telling somebody, hey, I don't think I can help you, right? I get referrals from people who I've told that to mm-hmm. because they respected the fact that, hey, Brian wasn't just going to sell me something. He, uh, uh, he, he knew if he could help me or not. This wasn't about Brian selling me for something. Yeah. This was about Brian actually being able to help me. That's great. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you can focus the energy instead on a prospect that will actually convert in with your recipe. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So what are some metrics that sales trips need to start measuring, you know, to close more deals or to be more efficient in what they do? Ooh, um, I'll probably go not to a specific metric, but a mindset around it. Okay. And And what that would be is figure out what, the most important metric you have is that drives a result and mm-hmm. figure out how to improve that. Another way this is said is um, figure out where your bottlenecks are okay. and, and where you have throughput and focus your energy on the throughput. So like, for instance, I'll talk about the the client that has this, uh, had this hundred thousand dollar week. He, he, he realized that it wasn't about the number of events that he went to okay. to meet people. He realized it wasn't the number of podcasts he did. He realized that um, all he had to do, the, the more people he got in his target market to hear his offer, mm. the more he sold, right? So it was all about, it was all about the, um, the step of him um, making this mafia offer, right? It wasn't about um, how many referrals he got. It wasn't about how many um, cold calls he made. Right. When what when he's looking at that metric and he's saying, okay, where um, what what's happening for people to get to that step? Where are they coming from? And he consistently focuses on um, doing more of that, whatever it is. Awesome. Okay. So, you know, and, uh, and I guess, uh, because here's here, I'll give you the opposing side of that. Mm -hmm. Um, There's, there's uh, clients I've worked with, and when I meet with them, they've got a network of people are not matched to hit his ideal client profile, right? There are people out there networking, but they're, but they, they weren't spending time or serving his ideal client profile. And he was tracking the number of networking meetings he was having. And it didn't matter because, because it was a flawed metric. The, the context behind that metric was flawed, right? Um, so, so figure out you know, what the most important things you do that produce the result and figure out how to expand those. And it's different for everybody, right? It's different for everybody. It's not, there isn't one, 
there isn't the philosophy is the one answer the the actual tactic is different for everybody yeah it's because a lot of sales trips you know have revenue or i don't know the number of deals they close as their ultimate metric so yeah it's the process yeah, that, that, that matters right yeah that correct that matters but if you don't know if you don't know how you produce that result you're yeah. never going to be able to repeat it like and and i want to be clear I, it is all about results in sales and you have to be able to duplicate i'll give you i'll give you an example so my very first client ever was uh he was a, a banker that uh was friends with me and came to me and said hey brian i uh, i'm moving to financial services and um i would love for you to coach me mm. and uh and i helped him make that transition and the, the moral of the story is he was telling me a story about an advisor that worked with him in uh, that had the state of uh, Minnesota, right? They, they sold 401k funds, right? Okay. Uh, and, and, and another, uh, they, they sold bonds. Well, the, the advisor in that was assigned to Minnesota in, in whatever year this was, um, this company's bond program opened up and it, and it's one of the sought, most sought after bond programs in the financial services world. And they hardly ever open it up. Well, they opened it up for some reason. And ironically at the same exact time, uh, there were a bunch of, um, something happened in the state of Minnesota where mm -hmm. it triggered a bunch of the, um, the funds, the uh, like the uh, the school, the school funds or the municipal funds, um, they had to go buy a bunch of bonds. They had to, they had to yeah. make a financial transaction, um, and they were forced to go buy bonds. Right, did not mm -hmm. get the details of it. Well, this guy had like a billion dollar year, oh, out of nowhere. Like maybe he was <laughs> doing a, a like let's say it was if it was twenty twenty right in twenty nineteen the guy did a hundred million in revenue in, in, in and that was in 19 in 2020 mm. he did a billion and what and what the leadership did at this organization was the next year 2021 they moved this guy's uh quota up from a hundred million to 500 million and then they fired him after <laughs> the next year because he didn't make his quota because the metric was flawed yeah, they, and he just got lucky that you're right. He like, got lucky. Yeah. He got he got lucky and then got punished for it. Right. We call that uh using metrics as weapons, right? You you don't use a metric to help somebody produce a result. You you use a metric to um micromanage or I guess let's just call it micromanaging people, right? Um, so that's why I say this is more philosophy-based rather than specific tactically based, because as that as you just heard that example, it, it it was flawed, right? The people making deciding what most important metric was didn't even look at the data. It it was a one time thing, and they just based all their decisions on that. Yep, that based all your decisions on that on an outlier. Yeah. Outlier. <laughs> yeah, that's the word outlier. I think we have almost reached the end of our session, and so Brian, this is my last question to you. What are some books and podcasts that you'd recommend to aspiring sales leaders or that you yourself read or listen to? I, I really like, uh, you're asking me and I'm drawing a blank. Hardcore Closer, Ryan Stuman, uh has yeah. like a, a three minute, three to five minute uh, podcast. Uh, he 
he does it for long periods of time, then he stops and he does it for long periods of time. That's been great. I think, uh, I think that's a, a great one for, uh, you know, for somebody to, to listen to. And here's one, here's an outlier one. I, I can't, I can't call out a specific one, but I have to say that the, um, if you can find a, a podcast or information around continuous improvement mm. uh, and theory of constraints, I highly suggest every salesperson understand those concepts and philosophies because they are highly relevant to the sales world. It's, it's an outside subject, but it applies. It's, uh, they apply it to uh, manufacturing and uh, Lean Six Sigma and things like that. When you understand those principles and understand how systems work, okay. you, will, you will be lights out in sales. Okay. Does that have to do with some internal constraints or is it constraints that are- uh, Constraints in general. Constraints okay. in general. Okay. It's because there's this growth mindset theory, right? Like that's been doing the rounds. So I was just wondering oh, yeah. something to do with that. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Okay. All right. So I think Brian, that brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you for the incredibly insightful session. And you've given our listeners plenty of sales advice to think about. And, you know, for example, how to use video or um, yeah, how to, what not to measure and what to measure. So I hope they start acting upon it and see immediate results. And yeah. thank you. Yeah. Thank you listeners for tuning in today. We'll be doing many more of these podcasts with more such stellar sales leaders from around the globe. So stay tuned for our upcoming episodes. We are on Apple, Spotify, Google, and also Stitcher. Subscribe to get notified when a new episode is out. And please leave us a review if you're on Apple. Thank you for listening. Bye. Have a great day. And thank you, Brian, for being here once again. It was awesome. Yeah. Take care. All right. You too. Take care. Bye-bye.